area that is private where no one can actually just have free access i could go there as long as i showed my credentials i could go there and there the u.s flag was flying there the marine guards were and i could walk through and in and when you went in there you almost felt like you were home but then you had to leave again and go back into a culture that you weren't it wasn't your culture a language that wasn't your language and things could be hard. But it was always nice when furlough time was coming. And you could come home and be with people who knew you from the time you were a child. People who knew you and loved you. To be able to be home in your own country, in your own place. In a place like we live, which we're celebrating the 4th of July and celebrating this wonderful independence and freedom that we all enjoy here. Not a perfect nation by any means, but certainly there is no other place in this world I would rather live than here in this country, and it felt home. But Brantford is like that for me. This is home for us. This is home. All of you are friends. All of you are those who have loved us and supported us and cared for us throughout all the many years that we have been around. So it's good to be here. It's good to be here once again with you all. To thank you again for all your kind gifts to us, to thank you for your support for us over and through all of these years, we we give the Lord thanks. We are going to be reading in John's Gospel today, so if you want to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. I had the wonderful privilege uh, just last month of speaking down at Wellspring, where the Cliffords are and where the Benoits are and some dear friends and Dave and Lori are, and we, we just enjoyed our time there. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to speak twice on this portion I have five times this time to speak on this portion. So I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord is going to teach me as I go through this time with you. And uh, I'm looking forward to this month and actually five Sunday month that I get to be here with you and share from this portion of his precious word. So John chapter 11, please. And we're going to begin reading at verse 1. Now, my voice isn't always like this, as most of you know, but I have been Joseph all week long. And I had, my voice was booming out to the kids all week long. And by Wednesday, I started to notice, uh uh-oh, my voice is starting to get weak. But I kept booming it out, booming it out through Friday. And this morning, my voice is a little bit shot. So if I get halfway through this message and and my voice disappears, Joyce will come up and finish the message for me. (laughs) Let's, let's read this portion together. Let's read it together. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, 
This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his precious word. Let's pray together. Father, how we need you. How we need your spirit in our lives. How we need your spirit to be moving in our hearts and minds. If we are to gain anything of true and eternal value coming from your word to our hearts. And so we ask that you would guide and direct our thinking that we might learn what it is that you would have us to learn. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Reading through the Gospel of John is like coming back to an old friend, isn't it? Some, For some of you, when you first came to know the Lord, the first Gospel first book of the Bible that you were directed to was to read the Gospel of John. And over the many years that we have walked with the Lord, we have gone back to John over and over again. And we know what's on each page. As we turn the page and read the narrative and read the next story, we already kind of know what's going to follow because we're so familiar with the accounts that we find in this wonderful gospel. It's like an old friend. It gives you comfort as you read through this wonderful gospel. Each time you find a new nugget of truth, and it gives you pause. 
for me, it's kind of like walking around the Botanic Gardens in Chicago. I used to love to walk around those gardens. Every turn was familiar because I'd been there so many times. Every time I walked down one of the lanes, I knew the English gardens were going to be here. I knew that the rose gardens were going to be there. I knew that the Japanese gardens were going to be there. But every time I walked along, there were new things to see. There were new beauties. They had changed things around. They had reorganized the English gardens. Things were still beautiful to see and so it is with the gospel of john in my opinion when i go back to familiar books of the scripture they are like old friends from whom i am going to learn new things oftentimes and this is going to be kind of a theme that's going to run through our thinking over the next few weeks oftentimes the Lord will do things in our lives that will surprise us. They will surprise us. I was thinking, as I was getting ready for these messages, I was thinking of a time back in 1987 when Joyce and I first went to the Philippines. We had packed up all of our stuff. We had put it in crates, and it was all being loaded. It was coming over on a ship in the first month we were there in the Philippines, we didn't have a lot of money. We were really short. Our purse was down to nothing. We had to pay for our airfare. We had to pay for getting over there. We had to pay for all our visa stuff. We had to pay. And we were getting down to the last couple of dollars that we had. But we knew that coming up, Later that month, we were going to get a statement from CMML, Christian Missions in Many Lands, to whom people had given support to us. Support was coming in in the form of gifts to anyone that the Lord laid it on their heart to give gifts to our work. And we knew that at the end of the month, that was going to come and be there. And so finally the day arrived. They weren't, trans- they weren't uh, transmitted to... Uh, electronically in those days you had to wait for the envelope that came by the ship that came over and ended up in your little mailbox and finally in my little mailbox the statement was there hallelujah we're gonna have money to pay our bills pulled out the envelope opened it up pulled it out with great anticipation a little bit of trepidation and i read the bottom figure it was sixty dollars for the entire month. You would not get anything else. You would not get anything else until the next month. My heart skipped a beat. And when I shared it with Joyce, we both kind of cried a little bit. And then you begin to question what it is that the Lord is doing. Lord, did we make a mistake? Were we not supposed to be here? Overseas? In missions? Is this not what you wanted of us? We, we always knew that you would supply our needs. We always trusted you to supply our needs. And now we've got a month on $60. And we've got bills to pay. What are you going to do? We shared this with no one. On the compound that we were living on, Joyce's parents were living there at the time. People were coming in and out all the time. But we never shared what had just happened to us. 
we brought it before the Lord. A couple of days later, I went downstairs, and there in my mailbox where rarely anything showed up. When you were overseas in those days, if you got a letter from home, it was the most exciting thing you've ever had, and you got one maybe every two years. I mean, you really felt alone when you were out there. You really did. But there in, the, there in my box was an envelope, and I opened the envelope, and there was, I think it was 40,000 pesos, which was enough to get us through, pay all our bills, and get through the month. I never said anything to anyone, and here it was in Philippine currency in my mailbox. And the Lord said to my heart that morning, don't you ever be waiting for the CMML statement to come. I will take care of you, and I will choose how I do it. If I choose to use Filipinos to do it, then that'll be my choice to make, not yours. And he surprised me. He surprised me. I never expected that to happen. I was worried and confused. I never expected that to happen. But it happened within two days. Now imagine, we were down at uh, Joyce's uh, reunion, her high school reunion, a few weeks back, and many of you know that. And while we were there, Gracia Burnham was there. And many of you know Gracia Burnham, or at least you know her story. Her husband, Martin, was a classmate with Joyce. He was several years behind her, but he was at Faith Academy when Joyce was at Faith Academy. We knew them, and we had had lunch with them up at Faith Academy one day before all this stuff happened. But she was sharing her story of what happened to her. And I'm, I think most of you know their story. But it, and she wrote a book, In the Presence of Mine Enemies. She and Martin were down on Palawan. They were getting a getting a week away for their anniversary, getting some time off in Palawan, when they were captured by the Abu Sayyaf, the, the, uh, the extreme Muslim groups, and they took them hostage and took them away. And for a year, a year, they were running around the trails, laying on the, sleeping on the ground at night. They were in 16 firefights with the Philippine army was coming up against them. All this time, following along, dragged along through these mountain trails, wondering what it was that God was doing in their lives. They'd come to serve the Lord as missionaries, and this is their story. She said, one day I heard Martin singing. I I was a trail ahead of him, and I heard Martin singing behind me. And this was after like eight months of captivity. She said, I heard him singing. We used to always pray all the time together. We prayed for our enemies. We prayed for those around us. And I heard him singing. And he said, and then when he he came up that night and we began to talk, I said, Martin, I heard you singing on the trail. What inspirational song were you singing? He said, well, he said, I was singing. (laughs) Listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer. (laughs) That's what he is. He was singing on the trail just to keep his spirits up. And then the firefight came one night. And Martin was hit and killed. And Berna and Gracia was set free. She was also injured and recovered, but she was set free after one 
year of captivity. That was 20 years ago. Do you know what the Lord has done in Gracia's life? At that point, she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I don't know how I'm going to spend it without Martin. I've got young children. God had a purpose and a plan. And do you know that several of those men who held them captive that year came to know Christ as a Savior as a result of her testimony? Do you know that she has spoken before the FBI? She, she had an opportunity to come. They said, we want you to come and speak at the uh, FBI symposium on victim, victims' conflicts. And she said, uh, who was I that I was going to go and speak before the FBI on victims of foreign crimes? She said, I was a victim, and I didn't like it. That's all I had to say. But then she went on and she said, and I spoke, I spoke before the FBI. I spoke before Parliament. I was invited to come and speak before Parliament and share my story and share the gospel of Christ. I spoke before Congress. I spoke to congressmen and women senators. And each time I had the chance to share not only my experience, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. She said, I would never have had that responsibility if not for the tragedy that happened in my life. God surprises us sometimes. Sometimes the hard things that we go through in life, and some of us go through some hard, hard times, the hard things in life that we go through change us inside. And these are not always surprises that we would hope for. They're not always surprises that we would desire. But they are nevertheless God's working in our hearts, in our lives. Sometimes... It just seems like we lose control. Sometimes it's like we seem to lose control of some aspects of our lives. They're out of our control. But God is always there. He is always there. Even when things seem their darkest, God is always there. Sometimes we find ourselves in places that we would have never chosen for ourselves. We just do not know what God will do. Even though to us it seems like nothing good is going to come from this trial. Nothing is going to good is going to come from this hardship. But we trust the Lord in and through it. I was able to portray Joseph this last week. Look at the life of Joseph. Look at him. Hated by his brothers. Sold into slavery. After having these dreams of 
grandeur where everyone was going to be bowing down to him. Sold into slavery. What do you think it was like for Joseph in those days in his faith in God, thinking, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put into prison, falsely accused of a crime he did not do. Thrown in prison for years. 17 years old when he went down. It was like 30 when he ended up being second in command in all of Egypt. What was he thinking? Lord, what have you done? It wasn't until he could see the end where he could say, the Lord, you meant it for evil, he said to his brothers, but God meant it for good. We can't see it sometimes. But God delights in surprising us. Now, there are several examples in, in Scripture. I just mentioned one. But think, of, think through Scripture. A lot of you read the Bible through in a year's time. A lot of you go through every one of the stories of the Scripture year after year after year. Think of some of those stories where God just surprised an individual. I was thinking of Enoch. Enoch walked with God. 365 years was the length of his life. And the scripture says he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I bet that was a surprise. To be walking along one day and God takes you home. Physically, bodily. But then it says of Noah. It says the exact same thing of Noah. And I've told you this here before, I know, because I've spoken here many, many times. It says of Noah, Noah walked with God. Just like Enoch walked with God. And does it say, Noah was not, for God took him? No, God had a different purpose and a different plan for Noah. I'm bringing judgment on this world. I'm going to destroy all flesh. Noah, you're my man. You get to build an ark. 120 years you can proclaim what I'm doing, that I'm going to destroy all the world. You can warn them of judgment to come. You can warn them of the things that are going to transpire. Warn them. And for all those years he built an ark, suffering the persecution, suffering the ridicule of man. But God brought judgment. One was translated, he walked with God. One walked with God, and he had to go through the time of judgment upon this world. And it was a stressful time. You think Noah didn't have any stress in his life? And at the end, he built a vineyard, grew a vineyard, and he got drunk on the wine. Hmm. We won't go there. Then there was Joseph. Think of the surprises there. Then there was Moses, that great prophet of God, whom he raised up. 
raised in Pharaoh's household by Pharaoh's daughter. All the privileges and all the honor that would come to a son, as you were, as you will, of Pharaoh. And he thought, I am going to be the one who is going to deliver these people from bondage. They're my people. I'm going to deliver them. And when he saw them being rough, he came up and he slayed the Egyptian, covered him in the sand. He thought he was going to deliver. He thought he had all things in the control. Here's what I'm going to do. And now he realized that it wasn't the time. It wasn't now that he was going to deliver them. And off he went to the wilderness for 40 years. Off he went for 40 years. He fled down to his father, to where he ended up with his family and all that happened down there. And when he became 80 years old, 80 years old. I, I look around this room and Armin's the only one that's 80 years old in here. Oh no, he just looks that way. Celeste, <laughs> Jim said that. Now he's 80 years old and God says, now is the time, Joseph. And he sees that burning bush that is not consumed. Now you go back to Egypt now and deliver my people. And Moses said, man, I've been waiting for this all my life. So excited. He said, no, 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 I'm not the guy. I, I can't do this. But he went back to Egypt. And God delivered them through the plagues that he brought upon. Because Pharaoh would not let them go. You know the story. But do you think Moses was a bit surprised at God? What about Joseph? I mean, what about, what about Abraham? We got a little behind ourselves. What about Abraham? Interesting, God makes promises to Abraham, which we reiterated to the kids over and over this week. God made promises to Abraham. And he said, you're going to have a son, Abraham. And through him and through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Oh, good. And the years go by and the years go by and the years go by. And I have no son from my own body. Lord, have you made a mistake? And he waits and he waits. He has that, that deal with Hagar that goes on. But that's not the promise of God. And did you notice what God does? Of course you have, because you're students of the word of God. You notice what he did? He waited till Abraham's body was as good as dead, as it comes to producing children. And Sarah's womb, she was an old woman, past the age of childbearing. And now God says, you know what I'm going to do now, Abraham? I'm going to bring life out of death and i'm going to give you your son now imagine you think that surprised abraham oh i bet it did you think it surprised sarah oh i bet it did man the way god works the way he surprises the things that he does when it comes to the gospel it was even mentioned this morning in prayer. It was even mentioned this morning in a, in a sharing that the gospel itself surprises us. 
The gospel itself surprises us. Well, it doesn't anymore, does it? Because we've been, we've been students of the Word for so long. I think because we've become students of the Word for so long, we miss the delight of the surprises of God. We don't see Him anymore. But certainly the gospel is an amazing surprise that God would redeem mankind all who would place their faith and trust in Him by giving His only Son to die in your place. Because the wages for your sin was death. The payment you owed God for death, owed the holy God for all our sin, is death. And God says, someone's going to pay the death, the penalty. And it's going to be my son. And I'm going to lay all of your sin on him. And he will die in your place. And if you will believe and receive, you will be forgiven of your sin. Who thought? Who thought? Even though it was predicted and spoken, even by the Lord Jesus himself, that he was going to rise from the dead. Did the disciples believe it? not really he had told them he would after three days i'll rise again but it didn't seem like they caught on did it did they did the women believe that he was going to rise from the dead no they went down with spices to anoint his body even though he had told them he would and lo and behold god surprises them all and out from the grave comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the ones walking on the road to Emmaus? Oh, man. We were thinking that he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now he's gone. Oh, the Lord says, foolish and slow of heart to not have believed all that the prophets have said. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he revealed to them the things concerning himself. Yes. Yes, I was going to die. But yes, I am alive forevermore. The gospel is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing that God has done. And God surprises the disciples. He appears suddenly in the room. And all the disciples, as soon as he appeared in the room, said, Oh, wonderful, you are right. You did come back to life. No, they were afraid, thinking they've seen a spirit. It is I. Don't be afraid. And they shared it with Thomas. Oh, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Unless I see the print of the nails in his hand and the, the, where the spear pierced, in his, pierced his side, unless I put my finger in the nail and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas, take your finger, put it right there. Put it into his side. Don't doubt, but be believing. Be believing. You know, it never says Thomas actually did that. He said, my Lord and my God. Thomas was surprised by God. Thomas was surprised by God. In this miracle, I bet you thought we well, were never going to get to it, and it is already, a, but it's already a 1130. In this miracle... God 
shows us, the Lord Jesus shows us several things that are rather surprising. Rather surprising. And if you look at it as if you're looking at it the first time, you will see some of these things. How surprising it really is. This is actually the seventh of seven signs or miracles that is recorded by John in this gospel. Seven signs to prove that he is the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh. It is the last of the seven signs that God gave to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. This was the last of his public miracles recorded in the book of John. And it was said by John, he wrote, these things I have written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. That's the purpose of the miracle. That you might believe. That you might believe. He turned water into wine. He healed the noble man's son who was at the point of death. He's at the very point of death. He heals the man at the sheep gate pool. He walks on the water. He feeds the 5,000. He heals the man born blind. And he raises Lazarus from the dead so that we have these miracles in order that we might believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that you might have life as a result of that belief in who he is. In who he is. This is why I was glad I had five weeks. Because we just are beginning to get into this first, uh, into the first verses of this wonderful chapter. But now you have a background as to what I am going to, what I hope to do in the weeks to come. To look at this wonderful last public miracle of the Lord Jesus and see what he does that is surprising. Is surprising and encouraging for us as believers, all these millennium later. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for who you are and for all that you have done in our lives. Oh, so many times you have surprised us. Sometimes it was a surprise that has penetrated deep into our souls. Other times, Father, it has been on a lesser level but yet in those things you have taught us taught us about ourselves taught us about what life really is taught us about hope and peace taught us about encouragement taught us about what it is to weep with others and you have used these things in order to share the gospel with others And so, Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for the story of Lazarus. And as we delve into it over the next few weeks, may you bless and encourage and strengthen us as a result. 
for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.